done. They're being done. The question is, will you allow God to do that in you and through you? The only one that can answer that is you. Amen? If you just turn around and look at somebody, wave to them, and then you can be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. Appreciate your, your willingness to come out and, and be present. Um, I, as I was preparing for this morning, uh, I was in my office and uh, going over my notes and just felt like that God was encouraging me with a couple of scriptures to just share today out of uh, the prophetic book of Isaiah. How many of you know that in the Old Testament there are prophecies about Jesus and about the times we live in? It's not just about the New Testament. The New Testament is where we need to concentrate, but we should be aware of the Old Testament and what it provides and, and, and points to. And uh, in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 28, it speaks about uh, the council and guy. Oh, sorry. Thank you, Shelby. So used to wearing this thing. It's just kind of just going. Uh, counsel and guidance of God. And how many of you know today that there is no lack for people wanting to give you guidance and counsel? Right? Everywhere we look, we hear people, and many times, whether they mean to or not, they present themselves as authorities or experts. You know, an authority or an expert is somebody we look to supposedly that knows everything about what, what they're speaking about. How many of you know that's not true about anybody? Except you. <laughs> no, it's, it's not true. Nobody, no human being knows everything about anything. Sorry to burst our bubbles here this morning. But the only one that knows everything, not just about some things, but about everything is God. And yet we have to be aware that there are all sorts of voices out there. In uh, Isaiah 28 says, give ear, hear my voice, listen, and hear my speech. This is God speaking. Uh, I, the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. Man, if, if we needed wonderful counsel and excellent guidance, today is the day. But there's only one place to get it. Now, I'm not saying we don't listen to people that are intelligent and studied and, and all of that. We do. We we get information, but we always weigh it against what God is saying. Because what God says, God's words are the words of life. And it's really important with all our hearing that we hear God and we obey God above anyone or anything else. Uh, in also in Isaiah 46, do you know that God isn't trying to figure this out, making course adjustments as things go on? You know, we're always making course adjustments. Things are going on that we didn't expect, we didn't see, and so we have to make an adjustment to it. God doesn't. The Bible says God declares the end from the beginning. That means he knows not only where it's starting, where it's going to end up, and how every turn is, is going to be taken. And so there's no guessing with God. That's where today Every day, it's always been this way. We need to listen to and look for God's guidance, God's, God's direction, God's wisdom. Because, again, we're living in times that when Jesus was asked about the indicators of his return and the end of the age, he gave a number of indicators 
that were recorded in the Gospels. Um, wars, rumors of wars, which we hear about, famines, earthquakes. Uh, but the first thing that he indicated was many will be offended. Or, I'm sorry, many will be deceived. Uh, it also says that people will be offended, betray one another, and hate one another. Um, we're seeing all this. This is not news. I've shared this with you before, but understand, it's not getting better. The only thing that's going to get better is the church. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about you. You who have faith in Jesus Christ. You're the church of the Lord. You're also the bride of Christ that he's coming back for. He's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And so there's a work that God's doing in us. There's a work that God has for us to do in the earth. And if we don't allow God to do that work in us, we'll never be prepared or guided or, or empowered to be what God has for us to be and do what God has for us to do in these hours. You know, back when, when this was written, when, when Matthew was recording this, when Mark and Luke were recording these things, Jesus was saying, you know, the last days. If those were the beginning of the last days, which they were, this is the last of the last days. And I'm not here to, to cause you to be concerned about that. That means we're real close to going into eternity. Going into glory. But there's a lot of work to be done because before that happens, the Bible tells us in various books and, and portions of Scripture that there's an end time harvest. That end time harvest is souls coming into the kingdom. You may be here today and you may have family members that don't know the Lord. You know, this is the hour that God's working supernaturally in the earth to bring a large harvest of souls to the kingdom of God. And so, number one, we should be believing for our family, for our friends, for our co-workers uh, to, to come to know Christ and to be saved, to be born again so that when they step into eternity, they're spending eternity in heaven with Jesus. But understand, too, that it's not just our prayers. We can pray that our family would be saved, but then we have to back up our prayers with our actions. Our actions should correspond where they can see heaven in us and have a desire for heaven, that they would see a change in us and, and realize that change is amazing. It's not something normal. You know, that, that would be the thing that would draw them to him. And so in, in all of this, we've been talking about some of these things because we need to be aware. We need to be informed. We need to be prepared. And, and we need to be empowered to be able to walk in the earth in this hour in the darkness in the deception that's going on. And, and if we don't realize that, then we're, we're going to be drawn away the way the world is going. doesn't mean that we won't be saved, but it means that we're going to be robbed of the very blessings God has for us in this hour, in this earth. And if, God or if the enemy robs us of God's blessings, we're not the only ones robbed. When, when the enemy robs me or the enemy robs you, it's not just you. It's your family. It's your friends, it's your neighbors that are being robbed because how God wants to enrich our lives, it's supposed to overflow into their lives. Amen? And so this is why it's, it's been on my heart. And I, I have just been blown away, honestly blown away by uh, the things that I'm seeing coming out in this hour. And we began looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Um, but I'll tell you this, Rick Renner, who I, I, Debbie and I know, 
uh, him and spent some time with him. Uh, has a, a book out, and it's, it's about some things we've already talked about. But it's about the last days and the deception that's going on and, and the things that we need to become aware of. I'm reading more and more and hearing more and more uh, pastors that, uh, and ministers that I respect speaking about deception. But, the, you know, Jesus spoke about this deception. The Apostle Paul was concerned about the deception in the Corinthian church. And he writes, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ would be corrupted. Corrupted, to be ruined or destroyed or to be seduced to evil. That, that devotion, that strong love, loyalty, and passion for Christ. You know, we're, we're going to be passionate. We're going to be loyal. We're going to love something or someone. And, and there are so many things pulling at us. The, the, the very nature of what we're dealing with in the world is there's a pull on us. There's a tug on us. Uh, a desire for us to go all sorts of directions to commit and, and be loyal and loving towards all sorts of things. But the first one, the first thing that we should be loyal to, loving to, and passionate about is Christ. Have you, have you noticed how passionate people are about politics? Maybe that's not the, the best word. Maybe it's animated. Maybe it's aggressive. But I'm telling you, I'm even watching Christians becoming so outspoken. Now, I have no problem with that. You ought to speak what you believe. But I'll tell you, the first thing that people ought to associate with you and me as Christians is not our political party. Not all the other things. It should be Christ above and beyond and before anything else. And yet people who... who are becoming so vocal and passionate. And, and again, I'm not against that. What I am against is it becoming a priority. Because if people know that we're of this party or that party or we believe this, this type of thing or that type of thing and they don't know we believe in Christ, then we've already skewed what they perceive us as. And we're not here for all that other stuff. We're here for Jesus first. Okay, I, I, I stepped on enough toes this morning. Not really. We'll be on him again. Uh, but, but anyways, he was concerned about their devotion being corrupted through deception. If it was true about Eve, you know, the enemy isn't changing a lot of his tactics. He uses a lot of the same things over and over and over again. And he wants to corrupt your devotion, Christian's devotion to Christ through deception. Deception is causing someone to believe something that is not true as if it were true. And draw us away from our devotion to Christ. From our commitment, from our loyalty, from our passion and our love for Christ. And there is no lack of things that are pulling on us to pull us away from Christ. From our devotion to Christ. And so we've been looking at... at what this deception is like, what happens. And we've been looking at the fact that the worst kind of deception there can be is self-deception. The reason why is deception in and of itself is subtle. We're not always aware that's why it's deceiving. But the worst kind of deception is self-deception. We deceive ourselves. And it's got to take some person in our life being able to speak into our lives that we trust that we know isn't there for their gain and to manipulate us, but loves us so much that they want us to hear truth because 
When we know the truth and do the truth, what does the truth do? It sets us free and keeps us free. The Bible says the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Now, that doesn't mean you go around wounding your friends. But I'll tell you, the, the truth sometimes hurts. It's uncomfortable. But again, truth sets us free and keeps us free as we adjust our lives to the truth. And so we've been looking at this in, in James about self-deception. And who's behind deception? The enemy. Satan, the devil. It says in the book of Revelation that he deceives the world. He's the one deceiving the world. It also says he deceives the nations. In, in Revelation chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 20, it specifically names him as the deceiver. But we don't want to be deceived. We don't want to give ourselves to that deception. And we definitely don't want to deceive ourselves, right? Because where there's deception, there is loss. There's loss. There's loss. And, and sometimes it's a form of death, a type of death. We may see things die in our lives because we're deceived and, and relationships are broken and, and all sorts of things. And so the Apostle Paul was speaking about devotion or deception. We're either going to be devoted or deceived. And if we're devoted, in James chapter 1, verse 22, where he talks about self-deception, it says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So where there's devotion, there's gain. Where there's deception, there's loss. Where there's devotion, there's doing, there's action. There's corresponding activity that people could say. If, if we are devoted, now I... I I see John and Jackson in the front row. You guys are devoted baseball fans and players and all that, right? Is that true? So do you just kind of read about baseball and, and uh, think about baseball and talk about baseball? Is that all you do? Jackson, you're shaking your head. Do you play baseball? Of all the things, would you rather play baseball or talk about baseball? Okay. His answer was play baseball. You are a smart guy. But, but that's, that's the key. If we're devoted to something, it's not just about talk. It's not about our verbiage. It's about our action, our lifestyle. If we're devoted to Christ, our lives are going to show Christ is the most important thing in our lives. And where there's devotion, there's gain. When we're devoted to Christ, there's gain in our lives. But when we're deceived, where there's deception, there's loss. And, and we can talk a good talk without walking a walk, and it's deception. And it's the very thing, the world out there that doesn't know Jesus and needs to know Jesus, and the only way they're going to know Jesus is to see him living big in us as we live brightly and lovingly and passionately and loyally to Jesus. That's how they're going to come to him. We're, we're here to be witnesses. Not to do witnessing, but to be that. To live a life that's passionate. And people aren't going to, they're not going to have to say, are you a Christian? They're going to know, just like, I, I, I see Jackson's mask. What's the mask of? The Yankees. Some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are like, let's get out of here. 
yeah, you know, you just have to look at him. He is a passionate person about baseball, not just talking about it, living it. And you can see by his lifestyle, he's got things that indicate this is what I'm passionate about. Man, this is the day that we need to be passionate about Christ. It should have been every day. But I'm telling you, it's growing darker and darker. It's becoming more vile and evil. But God has for you and me to live more brightly and boldly and outwardly manifesting our love, our passion, our loyalty for Christ. So that they'll be drawn to him. Man, it's not our words. When they see our lives full of joy, full of peace, see us going through stuff, not being overwhelmed by stuff, but having stuff come in at us, obstacles and opposition, and all of a sudden we rise up and we go through because we're relying on Christ. We're trusting in him and and realizing that he is the one that brings us through. And so we, we realized that we needed to look back at the beginning because this was the, the key to this. If we're hearers only, we deceive ourselves. If we're doers, then there's a blessing that comes. But when we're hearers only deceiving ourselves, there's a loss that comes. We're either going to have gain or loss. Dumb question, what would you prefer, gain or loss? Gain. But we've got to look at what we're choosing and how we're living to realize what we're really doing. Because if we're just hearing and not doing the word, then we are deceived and we're expecting this gain that's never going to come. It's like a farmer going out to the field and looking every day, every day, every day. When's my crop coming? Without ever planting anything. Foolish. But we have been foolish too because we've heard the word, but we've not practiced the word. And so we're deceiving ourselves, expecting a return, expecting to reap, but we haven't really sown. We've heard, but we've not applied. And so we, we had to look back at where it begins to start to speak at this, about deception in James chapter 1, and that's verse 16. And, and James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by, what? The word of truth. What is that? That's his word. That's Jesus. Jesus was the one the Father sent to die for you and me. In John chapter 1, it says, Jesus was the word made flesh that dwelt among us. And so he brought us forth, he brought us into life through the word. And that's where life continues to spring forth, through his word and through his spirit. If you and I are going to have life, I'm not talking about the life this this world has to offer. I'm talking about the life that God has to offer that exceeds anything this world could ever offer. How many of you know the world promises us everything but delivers very little? And God promises, but he always delivers. He always comes through. The Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Another translation says the the pinnacle of his creation. You know, God created everything and then set man in it. 
Why? Because God wanted fellowship with man. And he's still looking for that. And it's not because he needs it. It's because we need it. We need that fellowship. Um, and then, then we went and began to look at and dissect verse 19 and 20. And so we're going to go there right now. Now, I'm going to just ask that you just bow your heads in this moment and invite God to do something. You're here. You took the time. Thank you for taking the time to come out. Thank you for making the effort to come out. You could be somewhere else. But don't lose the opportunity to receive what God can impart to you today. God's word can bring healing today. Maybe, maybe you need healing in your body or in your soul. Maybe there are some hurts. God's word is life and health to those who find it. God's word is truth that sets you free. Maybe there are some things that you need to be freed up in. Maybe, maybe you need some direction and guidance and understanding. The Bible says God's word is a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet. But we have to be willing to hear and then do it. So, Father, right now we invite you to speak to our lives, our circumstances and situations. Father, we're not limiting you to speak just what we want to hear. You know what we want to hear. We think we do. But, Father, you alone know everything. And so today we turn to you. We trust in you. We expect from you your word and your spirit to work together in our lives to bring forth what you have always intended and desired, and that's life and life more abundant. It's victory. It's peace and joy and hope. It's the ability to overcome no matter what we face. And we thank you, Father, for doing what only you can do. And as we hear, we'll heed it. We'll obey it. We'll follow it out because we know your way is the best way. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Now, not, not asking for a show of hands or anything like that, but... One of the questions I have for you is, do you start out your day with the word for you today? One of the things we have, have determined to do, we want to sow into your lives. So every, every uh, member or household that is a member of this church, we give a word for you today, devotional. And if you didn't read it today, I'm asking you to go home and read it because it, it, it again, I was just taken aback because I read it and it was like, Really? Because it was James chapter 1, verse 19. You know, I don't, I don't read ahead, kind of fashion the, the messages towards this. But God so lovingly, for me at least, helped affirm to me, you're on course. This is what I have. And you know, we're not the only ones that get the word for you today. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are reading that very verse today. God's trying to get something through to us. But James writes, understand this, my beloved brethren, every man, now that includes all humanity, but it doesn't leave out anyone. Every man, so this is applicable to all of us, no matter what, every man be quick to hear, a ready, ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense and get angry, for a man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. So we're going to kind of work around this a little bit. Quick to hear, we talked about this. We talked about how important it is to listen to hear. Sometimes we listen to speak. Do you realize that? We're listening, we're crafting our response, our rebuttal 
but we're not really hearing. If you don't listen and I don't listen to hear, we'll never understand. And one of the things that's very evident, at least to me, it seems very pronounced and very simple, that people want somebody to listen to understand what they're going through. You know, if you find somebody that, that will listen to you to understand what you're going through and, and be able to connect with you, you're going to want to go back. But if, you're, if somebody's listening to you to just give you this and that and the other thing and show you what you need to change, you may not go back, especially when you're hurting. Well, God listens, and, and he listens because he cares. We need to listen because we care. I shared with you last week, listening is one of the most important things we can do to show value to somebody else. If we don't listen to somebody else, they immediately perceive uh, what I have to say, what I have to feel, what I have to communicate is not important. So I'm not important to that person. And that should be the last thing we indicate to anyone. But, but quick to hear. Um, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, it won't be up here. It says, a wise man will hear and increase and learn. The only way you and I, do we learn when we talk or when we listen? Right, when we listen. And that's where we should be listening. We should be listening to the people around us. We should be listening for God. Uh, all of these things we're going to learn, and we need to learn. But then it goes on to say, slow to speak, slow to take offense and get angry. There is no lack of anger in the world. I mean, people are just angry. And it takes very, very little to set people off. It could be a look. It could be a body gesture. It could be words. And people are like, oh, they're walking on the edge. And, and this says man's anger does not promote the righteousness. Now, if, if you want to... Want to kind of not be real theological, but be pretty accurate. If you want to know what righteousness is, just look at the first five letters. Yeah, it's what's right. It's what's right. So our human anger cannot ever produce what's right. It's that simple. And yet we're in a world that is overflowing with anger and ever increasing. And we should not add to that. You know, we, we shouldn't be people that are so quick to become angry. And many times anger comes after people have listened not to hear, but listened and recognized a perspective that they didn't agree with. And then all of a sudden they start to speak because they're angry. Should never be that case in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that we won't have moments in time that'll happen. It will. But it should not be an ever-present action in our lives. But today, I want us to just clue in on and look at slow to speak. Slow to speak. You know, slow to speak is not something we're necessarily doing a lot we we 
I, I'll just speak for me. Many times when somebody's speaking, I'm trying to listen, but there's this thing in me that I want to I tell them what I think. Because I think I know what I'm going to say. And I think it's pretty good or I wouldn't say it because I don't want to look stupid in front of everybody. So I have this perception that what I have to say is valuable. Now, that's not always true about me or about you, okay? What we have to say can be valuable, might be valuable, or might not be valuable. And really, what we need to do is make sure that when we speak, we're, we're speaking something that's going to impact and influence them, not just for the moment, but for eternity. Because the Word of God is life and health. The Word of God is truth. And again, if we're speaking God's Word, we don't have to quote the address. You know, Proverbs chapter 1. We can share the Word of God and be sowing the Word of God into people's lives. But we've got to hear them first. Then we've got to hear God. And then we need to speak. It's not you hear them and you just pop off a scripture to them. I've heard so many people Christian and non-Christian say, you know, people are just telling me what I ought to do. I know it's God's word, but they're just telling me what the... They want to know that we care. Reality check? We really don't have the right to speak into anybody's life until they've invited us to. And many times we're, we're, we're just bowling people over because we think, I can't tell you how many times I've had people that have been Christians that have been in difficult situations that have had other well-meaning Christians. These are not evil people. Well-meaning Christians share scripture that just cut them. Folks, it's, it's God's word, but it may not be shared in the right time. It's truth, but you know, the Bible says the word of God is like a two-edged sword. It can cut and sometimes relationships have been fractured because people have been just sharing something because they wanted to speak. They thought they knew. And they knew enough to be dangerous. <laughs> Sorry. I've been dangerous. I've been injurious because I've shared the word not in the right time and in the right way. It's not just the word of God. It's the word of God that's shared in the right time and the right way. And we're going to see that today. But, but anyways, um, we, we need to realize that we're to be slow to speak. Now, in this time when it was talking about speaking, speaking was the form of communication. It was the major form of communication. People didn't write a lot. That was pretty exclusive. And so if we were to, to um, modernize this, what are the different ways we communicate? We speak, right? We email, text, instant message, direct message. We post things, right? We, some of you blog, some of you tweet. All these things are a form of communication. And we can't be quick to do it. And yet I'm hearing more and more. And I'm seeing more and more people just reactionary, rebuttal, that is caustic. It's, it's destructive. 
And there's more damage being done in times because people are just quick to respond. Well, you can't say that. And it's out there. No taking it back. It's out there. The damage has been done. The Bible says a brother offended is harder to be won than a walled city. And one of the indicators of the last days, many will be offended. It's happening. It's happening all around us. And so we've got to be aware of this. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says this. The tongue can bring life, death or life. Those who talk will reap the consequences. Now, again, putting it in the setting of modern day, a text can bring death or life. Right? An email can bring death or life. A direct message, an instant message can bring death or life. A tweet can bring death or life. Folks, we've got to be aware of all the forms of communication we have and realize that we've got to be slow to communicate. Don't just give some some part of what you're thinking. You know, somebody once said, I want to give you a piece of my mind. And the other person said, you can't afford to. Folks, it's not our mind. We should have the mind of Christ. We should, should. Now, again, there are principles in the word that we should be abiding by. And, and that's, that's so important. Because our tongue, our ability to communicate is either life-giving or giving death. James chapter 3, uh, verse 8 through 10 in the NIV says this. No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Well, if it's true about our mouth, it's true about our other forms of communication. You know, our communication can be set on fire from evil. There is real poison in some of the things that that people are communicating right now. It's not to to help somebody. It's to prove a point. It's to adjust somebody else. It's to set them straight. And I'm going to tell you, honestly, everybody listen. You don't know. I don't know how to set people straight. Only God knows how to set people straight because God's the only one that knows what they're going through, what they need. And that's why it's so important that we just don't pop off with our best bit of information or our our just absolutely, we believe, 100% right perspective. The only one that's right all the time is God. And so we need to be slow to speak. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, the Apostle Paul writes, Then we no longer, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new teaching. We won't be influenced by people who try and trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. This is the day we're living in. 
People are speaking lies and they're, they're being presented so convincingly they sound like truth. But the only way you and I are going to know whether they're truth is we've got to know what the Word of God says. Does this line up? Does this track with God's Word? Does this track with God's ways? If it doesn't, then you and I are being lied to. And if we choose to believe it, that's a form of deception. Believing something that's not true. And where there's deception, there's loss. That's why it's just so important for us to know the Word of God. And always, if we're going to lay something down against what we're comparing to, lay the Word of God down. Look at the Word of God. Compare the Word of God. It goes on to say, growing in every way, I'm sorry, so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth how. And the result is growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow and so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. How does that happen? We speak truth. But how do we do it? We speak it in love. Well, I love them. That's why I'm telling them they need to shape up or ship out. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not boastful or proud. 1 Corinthians 13, sometimes we're sharing truth because we want them to see how, how knowledgeable we are, how spiritual we are, how, how elevated we are over them. Folks, the moment we start to move in the realm of pride and haughtiness, the Bible says pride, haughtiness, pride goes before a fall no. Pride goes before a fall and haughtiness before destruction, I think. Something like that. But pride and haughtiness is not going to bring anything good to us or to anybody else. The moment we think we're elevated about everybody else, we're mistaken, we're deceived. We believe something that's not true. We're not elevated above anybody. It doesn't matter how much we think we know. Even Scripture if we know Scripture and we're not just hearing it, we know it and we're doing it, what that will do in us, it will humble us. It will cause us to recognize we're not what we think we are and there's a lot of room to grow. I used to think I, I, I was pretty close to being what God wanted me to be until I started to read the Word. And it, didn't, it, it wasn't detrimental, but what it did was it caused me to realize how far I am from what God intends me to be, but how close God is to help me. And I'm not to do it on my own. Because I was believing something that wasn't true and I was being deceived by myself. It goes on to say in, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, in, in the New Living Translation in the message, they're both up here. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Don't, don't we want to do the best for other people? Well, our conversation needs to be gracious. In the message it says, be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down and not cut them out or I, I would adjust that a little bit, cut them up. You know, sometimes we cut up people with our words. We cut them down with our words. And, and that shouldn't be, we should be gracious. Very gracious. I had an aunt 
<laughs> her name is Grace. Our granddaughter, Elin, uh, is, is named, has, her middle name is Grace, Elin Grace Heck. And, and Aunt Grace was exactly what her name said. She was so gracious. She was so, so caring, considerate, wanting to help. It wasn't that she always did everything that we wanted, but she was there to help us grow to point us the right direction. But we knew when she pointed and said, you know, there's an adjustment you, you might want to make. We knew it was because she loved us and, and she, she wanted better for us than we were currently experiencing. We should love people so much that we want better for them than they're currently experiencing, but not trying to tell them out of an air of superiority. Not putting them down, not cutting them off or cutting them out or cutting them up. This is, this, is, this is what a doer of the word is supposed to be living. That our, our speech, our conversations be gracious to other people. And so we, we need to check that out. Is that what we're doing? And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 in the New Living Translation, it says this, it gives us a little insight into where this conversation, these words are going, what we're speaking out of. It says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. You know, it's very, very revealing. You sit around somebody and you listen to them, and it, it locates where their heart. The Bible says where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And so, again, we see Christians today that are so passionate about you know, politics, about rights, about all sorts of things. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Our government is not going to save us. It doesn't matter who is the president. There's only one that saves you, and that's Jesus. Don't ever place anything above your God. And it's happening. It's happening massively throughout the body of Christ in these days. And again, there's a deception. We're hearing the word of God, but we're not applying it. And so we're putting things up above God, and we're deceiving ourselves. And in deceiving ourselves, we're allowing the enemy to use us. I know this isn't going to be popular, but it's still true. What's in our heart determines what we say. That's why we should also listen to us. God's had me listen to me and, and consider what I'm saying. I'm saying sometimes things that are, number one, not true according to the word of God. And, and so I know better, but I'm not doing what I know. And so there's deception there and where there's the... The, the deception is the enemy is the one operating, and there's loss. And I, I, have, I have told God I do not want to be self-deceived. I don't want to be deceived, but I especially don't want to be self-deceived. So, Lord, help me. You know what that does? Many times that comes in the form of somebody outside me saying, hey, what, what are you doing? And I immediately want to go, hey, mind your own business. Oh, come on. But I have come to the place where I want the defenses down. I want the walls down. I have to have ears to hear. Be quick to hear. The wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. And I've got to realize, who is that standing in front of me? Who's that speaking to me? Is it somebody who in my life cares about me? If it is, I need to listen. Listen to hear. 
to understand, to make the adjustment, to be doing what the Word of God says, not just hearing it, not just telling other people it. And maybe I'm the only one that's in that place, but I'm telling you, it's big in my life these days. It goes on to say in verse 35 in the message, a good person produces good deeds and good words, season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. What is a blight? Is it good or is it detrimental? Detrimental, when blight comes, it starts to spread. You know, if we're self-deceived, we're going to begin with just what's going on in our lives, become an instrument for the enemy to deceive other Christians and other people. Folks, we can't afford that. Time is too short. People need to be reached, but they need to be reached with truth. You know, it's, again, the very thing that the world has had the major complaint of the world about Christians is we say something, but we don't do it. It's indicating the degree of deception there is in the church. Man, the moment somebody tells us, you know, why, why do you say this and, and don't do this or do this? We need to really, as, as, as difficult as it is to hear, we need to listen. And then not just react to it, go back to God and listen to God. Okay, they said this. I, I had someone at one point in, in when I was ministering that was very defiant, very obstinate very rebellious. And I really didn't want to have anything to do with them. I, I used to think this was the thorn in my flesh. You know what Paul said, the messenger son of Satan? Wasn't true. God said, listen, I, I see what they're doing, but listen. Do you know when the enemy comes to lie to you, he always has a kernel of truth. Because if it, there wasn't any truth in it, you could see right through it. But even with Jesus, when he tempted him in the wilderness, there was portions of scripture that he used, but he used it in a twisted way. We need to listen for truth. Because you'll know the truth and do the truth, and the truth will set you free and keep you free. And so I needed to listen to the truth that was in what was being spoken and 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 said to me, even though the majority of the stuff was not accurate, there was something that was accurate. I needed to hear. And I needed to be humble enough to receive it and make an adjustment in my life. Now, I don't always do that, but I have, I have told God it's my desire to look for truth, listen for truth, and then respond to truth wherever, wherever it is. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, this is, this is sobering. And he says, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. That word idle is nonproductive. It's got to do with something that doesn't have any activity or builds. Whether it's 
an activity that we take to follow it building us or builds other people? You know, God's word, in Genesis chapter 1, 10 times it says God said. Everything that was created was created by the spoken word of God. Folks, death and life are in the power of the tongue, our communication. How are we communicating? Because if we as Christians are writing all sorts of trash, emails, posts, texts, and we're praising God one minute and we're tearing people apart, it ought not be. We should be gracious. I know this isn't something that people hear often, but I used to hear it all the time growing up. My mom and dad always told me, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. There, there is some truth to that. And before I say anything that isn't going to be comfortable or convenient, I have to know why I'm saying it. I have to check my heart. Am I saying this because I want to help them? I truly want their, their lives to be better? Or am I saying this because I think I'm so smart? Because I want to set them right. Because I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of reactionary talk out there, communication. And you have heard and you know that's not what God has. That might cut down on a lot of things that we do on social media. But if it does... Then it needs to go. Again, not a popular message, but truth. The Bible says, if you have ears to hear, hear what God is saying. It's important we hear what God's word says so that we can do what the word says and not be deceived. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, in this moment, it's important that we just take stock and say, you know, what's going on? Nobody knows but you. And if God hasn't convicted you, then don't be condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But if today you've heard something that God is, is from his word that he is, has somehow highlighted or, or pointed at and said, you know what? There's an adjustment that needs to be made then now is the time to really take stock of that. Because I will tell you this, the Bible says Satan comes immediately to steal the word. That means that before you get to your car, there are going to be all sorts of distractions. And we can't afford to lose what God is speaking. The Bible says man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so, Father, I pray right now for every one of your children here. The Father, if you have highlighted, if you have convicted us because you don't condemn, that conviction is an awareness of, of something that's not right in our lives that we have hope that can change because you're there with us and for us. Father, there, with you all things are possible. And so today we look to you, we turn to you, we trust in you that whatever you're showing us, you also will be an ally in helping us overcome. Father, I pray right now and ask you to forgive me for words that I have spoken that have not been gracious, have not been in love, 
have not been to build up or, or help someone become the best you have for them to be. Or I've spoken to them in arrogance and pride, not patiently and kindly. Lord, I've done this and I ask you to forgive me and help me. Help me to make the adjustment that I need to make that only you can help. And Father, I pray that for all of your children here. That we would grow in your grace and in your knowledge. That we would speak words of life. And Father, we thank you for opportunities to be people that impact and influence by our lifestyle, living your word, by our devotion, our, our passion, and our loyalty and love for you, the people see without us having to say we're Christians. They see it in the very acts that we live out your word. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Before, before we dismiss today, I just want to share with you the fact that, you know, when, when we ask God to forgive us, and we do, we need to repent, we need to turn around, and that's what I was doing today, that's what we were doing today. When we do that, the Bible says God is faithful and just not only to forgive us of what we're asking, but to cleanse us. So you are able to walk out of here or walk out of your house or walk out of your prayer closet or wherever it is, maybe your car that you're praying and repenting and changing, clean. Clean, as clean and pure before God as the day you got saved. And if you're reminded of anything that's in the past, I want you to know, I want to expose who's doing it. It's the liar, okay? And, and all he can say is lies. If he tells you you're not forgiven, you can be assured you are. Amen? Would you stand? You know what this week is? You're like, what, did I miss something? This week is the greatest week you have the privilege and opportunity to live with Christ and for Christ. There are going to be so many, so many opportunities for, for us to impact the people around us. But to have that happen, we need to have him impact us first. And I believe that's why you were here this morning. I believe that's happening, and it's going to continue. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every one of your children. I thank you for your plan that is for good with a future and a hope. I thank you for your presence with each one of them. Your spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that dwells in them, that empowers them and imparts to them your love, your wisdom, your grace, your truth, your life. And then, Father, as we go forth this week, we go forth with you and for you, knowing that you've already gone ahead of us and prepared the way. You're our rear guard. You uphold us with your right hand of blessing, righteousness, and you cover us with songs, songs of life, of victory, of wisdom, of peace, of joy. And the Father, as we walk out this week, we do it being led by your Spirit, all for your glory and all in your love. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, have a great week.